episode three of season five of the Luton Town Sports Trust podcast. We've um, well, we substituted Simon, but we ain't got no substitutes to bring on, so we're 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 down to a three-man team for the remainder of of the podcast. But I'm pretty pretty good with the three men that we've got. So we've got James and we've got Danny with us. And first thing we're going to talk about in this part is referees because they got my goat right up at Blackburn, James. The most pathetic referee I've ever seen in all my life. And what was worse was I've checked the two rounds of matches since then. He was fourth official in the first one afterwards, and he refereed a game on Saturday. Now, I don't think, and it's Oliver Langford is the refereeing question of this Blackburn game. I don't think he should be in charge of a football match. Because, yes, I understand that refereeing is a tough job, and I wouldn't want to do it for all the money in China. But if you can't tell that that tackle on Alan Campbell is a red card, I don't think you're fit to maintain the safety of, a, of the players on the pitch. So I would like to see some sort of retrospective action on poor referees, even allowing for how tough the job is, because that wasn't a difficult one. I see, I was 60 yards away from it, midway up Blackburn stand, and I could tell that he almost broke his leg. Nathan Jones was right on it, obviously, and, and he called it straight away. The standard of refereeing in this country is a shambles, though, isn't it? It is. It's an awful challenge. There's no, there's no way about it, and he should be... He should be going going for his red card on that one. Um, I, I don't know how you could even justify. I mean, he's obviously way. seen it, hasn't he? We should just paint paint this picture. He's given him a yellow card, so he has mm-hmm. to have seen this challenge. You can't you either give nothing because you've not seen it, you take some advice from someone who has seen it and acts on that advice, or you give him a red card. There's there there, there is no other option. Now he didn't take advice from anyone else because the card came out straight away, so he's seen it. And he's given him a yellow card. It's just all wrong. It is. And it's not just the referees, though, is it? There's four of them at a match. So they should all be seeing that. That was an incident on the ball. They should all be seeing that. So somebody should be having a word with them, whether it's the force official or the nearest liner. And they should be talking about these decisions because, you know, Alan Campbell's lying there on his leg. And... And he he just goes straight to straight for a yellow. At least consult someone. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's been, um, you know, referees blowing up when, you know, Fred Onyedim was in um, the the home game before that, uh, and you know, not giving it the time. It's just, you know, you can just take a breath, take a second, take two before you make a decision, and that's frustrating. But I just think it's it is now football is now so quick, even in the championship. It just it's an absolute nonsense not to have VAR for those things in that was my next question yeah. in the championship. It, it it really is. It's the it's the fifth or sixth most uh, watched uh, league in Europe, um, which is some feat. And there's loads of money at stake and, uh, and jobs and and health, uh, the speed of it. Um, it's just it's just baffling why it isn't there. I mean, it, it, all the games are filmed. It's got goal line technology. Why not that? It it just doesn't make any sense. It's not it's not like if you went to the fourth division and you 
trying to get, uh, I don't know, Sutton United to have uh, all these cam expensive cameras around their ground and couldn't afford it. There's, there's lots of money sloshing about in the championship. And it, it just needs to happen. And the VIR was a nightmare last season when they hadn't got hold of it. But this season and since the Euros, they have, and it's a much better system and much better way of, of using it. And we're not talking about it nearly as much as, as we have. It's not it's not a fail-safe, it's not 100% proof that you always get it right. But with those decisions, it doesn't, it doesn't whip out a card, a yellow card then. He sees the severity of it. He sees Alan Campbell limping off and all the Luton players and the managers having a complain about it. And you go and have a look. It, it's not. It's not that hard. It's not. It's not beyond the realms of comprehension that you do that. I think it is a hard job uh, refereeing, and you're human, and you probably don't see everything. So you need a bit of help. The technology's there. It's. It's ridiculous. It, you know. It's particularly when because of technology. It's like um, lots of people have been working from home, myself included, throughout the pandemic, and now there's certain employers and people in the government saying you should just go back at work now we don't need to do that and i'm going i've just done it for two years it works like a dream if we've got the technology to do it why not and if you have got the technology to do something to make something better and make a change then you've got to use it and it's there so it, it's it's a nonsense that the championship can't have it um and and it would not obviously prevent Alan Campbell from missing as many games as he had because it's a horrible challenge, but the, the right punishments are there. And, and that's what, what you want do, to see. What it would do, though, is it would prevent the bloke who injured Alan Campbell from having a hand in both of Blackburn's goals that subsequently followed it. And who knows? I mean, he'd have had a three-game ban. He may as well have been involved in more Blackburn goals since then. Uh, they didn't score on Saturday, but they did in the first game. And... Um, he might have been involved when he shouldn't be playing. I don't expect referees, even at a particularly championship level where they're not professional, I don't expect them to get every decision right. That's not going to happen. I mean, even me, I, you know, I don't have a job, an active job like that, and I don't get everything right in the job that I do. So I wouldn't expect a referee to get everything right. But the big decisions, the game-changing decisions, these are the ones, uh, Danny, that should be, should be right. Now, I thought when that tackle happened, my immediate reaction was, oh, fuck, he's broke his leg. And I could see that, and I'm 70 <laughs> yards away. It needs us, and I and I need a trip to Specsavers pretty soon anyway, because my eyesight's shite. And I could still see that. A referee has to be able to see to see that. Otherwise, he's you know, there's all this talk now, isn't there, about red cards and yellow cards and being reckless and endangering an opponent. Mm. How is the referee not endangering a footballer by not sending the bloke off? Yeah, I, like I say, I, I only had the benefit of um, Twitter for that challenge. And the first time I saw it, I turned away in anguish because it, it was as bad a tackle as you're ever likely to see, um, to be honest. And that, that's not that's not talking as a Luton fan, that's talking as somebody who's seen a, a pretty horrendous challenge on a player. And he could have quite easily finished his career there and then. Um, it, it really was that bad. And how the referee hasn't seen it, how the fourth hasn't seen it, um, and I think the linesman that side was he must have been quite near he must have seen he was yeah looking right at it um, Tony Mowbray has to say what he has to say has to defend his player I don't think he wanted to um, because I'm sure if, if you pulled him on the quiet so go on then Tony off the record are you going to tell us what everybody else is saying 
or you're still going to defend your player. And it, it, it is horrendous. It, it, the, the referee has to send him off. There's no there's no two ways about it. His, his boot's high. Um, and it, you, like we were saying, we're seeing too many of these decisions going, um, sorry, not not being followed up the, the right way. And obviously, you, you know, you allow for human error and stuff, but this is where VAR should come in. You, you know, James is absolutely spot on what he says. You know, you have to have VAR in the championship. Um, not just for the money at stake, it's because it's such a big league. It is a big league and it, it warrants the investment, I think. I think if, um, the sponsors are going to pump millions into it and millions of people around Europe are watching it. You have to get these decisions right. It's it's paramount, really, to an outcome of a game. It could define somebody's season. Um, challenges like that, decisions going the other way, um, and all sorts of scenarios can, you know, they, they can define a team season. I mean, we've we've lost a perfectly good midfielder. I mean, the challenge is the challenge alone isn't going to change anything. We've still lost Campbell for however we've lost him, um, but Blackburn aren't losing the player that created the challenge in the first place. And who's and to say that that bloke doesn't make that challenge again the following game? And Exactly. You know. And, I mean, even if he'd been subbed before he created them two goals, I mean, his replacement might have done that. So I don't know whether, I mean, it might have affected the outcome. The truth in that is we'll never know. Um, but it, again, you know, like I say, he's, he's got away with it and he, and he bloody well knows he has as well. Um and I'm not saying it like I haven't seen Luton players put in dirty challenges like that. Of course I have. I've seen a few here and there that should be warranted with red cards and and whatnot. But this is where the referees need, they, they quite nearly, clearly need that extra bit of help. And the Premier League, like, OK, they got it wrong a lot last year. This year it's much better because of the way the, the Euros was carried out. It was brilliant. Um and it and it it shows what I've been saying about VAR for a long time that if if you use it properly, it will work. And it's about time we brought it in, because yeah. then you you can cut out some of the play acting nonsense as well. You can sort of go back and you know the the the, the, the video referee can sort of say, "Can you have a word with that man in?" <laughs> yeah, you know, little, little, you know, little things like that. I, mean, I think VAR still gives that Henry Lansbury incident a yellow card each. I think the, the VAR looks at that and goes, eh, "They're both at fault there." Yeah, I but mean, like you I still say, get the right outcome. Yeah, I mean, a referee has to be impartial anyway, doesn't he? Um, so, I, I, like I said earlier, I think that that per, that incident was dealt with very well by the referee. And dare I say it, at the risk of being slayed by every Luton fan listening to this. Um, I actually thought he refereed it pretty well. well it's a good game of football, isn't it? It's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was. I mean, if you're a neutral, you're coming out there, you've got your money's worth, haven't you? Mm. Um, if you're a Luton fan, you're pissed off. If you're a Swansea fan, you, you're dancing like you've won the league. So, Yeah, no difference. Uh, seven days before, Blackburn felt like that and we felt... Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a taste of our, of our own medicine because we've yeah. we've come back a couple of times in a row and on the third one, you sort of, you, you, you should be seeing a 3-0 out and it doesn't quite happen, but... That that's why we fall in love with the beautiful game that it is, isn't it? Indeed. Um, just finishing up on referees, James. Should a referee be able to go down with cramp after ninety minutes? Surely he needs to have a better <laughs> level of fitness than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're professionals now as well, aren't they? 
I mean, or is these that guys just are controlling League the game, aren't they? If they, if they? if they can't do 90 minutes, then surely he's not fit to be a referee. Yeah, well... I mean, yeah, it wasn't I mean, a particularly hot day. It's not like he's running around the Sahara Desert in in July. You know, it, it was Blackburn. Best will in the world, Blackburn don't see sun at the best of times. You know, it was it, it was yeah. normal. It's it, an it's it an unnecessary normal. it's an unnecessary momentum break, isn't it? And you know, really, it's the old adage of the the best referees are the ones that aren't seen. So. Uh, you, you don't make ridiculous decisions and you don't go down with cramp, I suppose, as well. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about. But there was one last point on VAR. They are bringing it into the Women's Champions League. Um, now, I, the fact that the women's game is on uh, terrestrial TV, I think, is brilliant. I watch it. I think it, um, I watch it because it's football, but I enjoy it. I've got no qualms of that. I know that some people uh, don't and they say it's not the same game, it's not the same speed and it's not the same. Of course it isn't because women haven't got the physicality of men just generally, but it's still football and if you love football, great. But the women's game uh, in this country doesn't have the same audience yet uh, as the championship Um and so if, it's, if the women's game are going to get it, then the championship has to get it, as, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, the championship, the men's game is quicker and it is more aggressive. And because of those things, you're going to get challenges like that and they need to be dealt with properly. Um, and so it, it is coming into the women's game. Um, I, I don't know if they started the Champions League yet, but it, it needs to be seriously looked at. Um, and... I can't see a good argument as to why it wouldn't. No, I agree. And the other thing that needs to happen, okay, this wouldn't have made any difference to Loon, but just because a referee is given a yellow card does not mean to say that two days later in someone's office, they can't upgrade that to a red card so the bloke doesn't break someone else's leg uh, the following game. They need to stop hiding behind themselves, these referees, and actually do what's good for the game. But there's um, also accountability, actually, now you bring that point up, and it, it, it would be good for them to, uh, they get the benefit of replays when they're in the dressing room, the same as everybody else. They can watch those incidents and say, yeah, I've got that wrong. And a little bit of humanity of them coming out and just saying, I'm really sorry, we got that wrong, which maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't actually need if you had VR, probably. But at the minute, that little bit of humanity, people might respect them a little bit more rather than just going, not speaking to anybody and hiding behind a wall of silence. It, I think that it would uh, temper people's emotions about it, I think. But the fact that we don't hear anything is um, is not a good thing either, I think. Um, people, people discuss football uh, and they're going to talk about those big points. And if they're out of the conversation, then they're bound to get the flack. And how does that change people's opinions of referees for the better? It doesn't. It just it continually makes it worse. And then do you get people wanting to be referees because they're always getting flack? So then does the does the does the cycle just keep getting worse and worse because people aren't um, there aren't the volume of people that are signing up to be referees? Uh, and you always hear about horror stories of Sunday league football where they get abused and and, and stuff. So then it's this would be a vicious cycle, isn't it? You're never going to get good referees. So it's all these little steps that need to be taken. And that could improve the situation uh, for referees and for the game of football. Um, but, you know, like so many things in our game, 
the, the changes take so long to to happen and whether they will or not for the better there i don't know because it's uh it's the powers that be that seem reluctant to make them yeah the standards aren't improving so i'm sure we'll re- i'm sure we'll cover referees uh, in the future and next time we'll cover it we'll maybe do a discussion around referees being mic'd up so that fans can um, hear what's going on um, but again that's for another day what might also be for another day but we need to cover it now it's a strange it's not a strange statement sorry a surprise statement that appeared on the Luton Town website after the game on Saturday now I'm I'm going to talk about this from afar because, as I've already alluded to, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but I refuse to believe that it was particularly toxic atmosphere or anything like that. Yeah, and a, yeah, a statement appeared about um, Reese Williams, the Liverpool loanees at Swansea, uh, accused someone of a racist slur, I think was the term, that was um, used in this statement. Uh, any ideas what went on there, James? My understanding is that it, uh, came from the executive boxes uh, and if that is the case I don't know for sure but if that is the case then it should be easier to find the person yeah. that did that and if you do that and you find that and you prove it it's very simple you, you you ban them you name them you make an example of them uh, and, and and set your stall out that way it's a, it, it's a very simple situation if that is the case because uh, I don't want that at, at Luton Town whatsoever I don't want Luton to be accused of it. I don't want anyone in the ground to do it. Um, I just, I'm fed up of this. I can't believe we're in the 21st century, 21 years into it. And there's still people, uh, you know, having a go at other people for the colour of their skin. It's just it's beyond me. It's just, I'm just fed up with it, to be honest, in life, in football. Just get over yourself. Quite frankly, as well, if, if somebody is making the racist slur, what kind of idiot are you? Because you're sat there watching these players do something you'd love to do, so ain't they better than you? It's moronic, any way you slice it. Yeah, Danny, on this on this one, I mean, obviously, again, again I'm sad from afar with this. I got a notification through on my phone, um, obviously, as the media rep supports trust, you know, something might happen, keep keep your phone on your sort of thing. Uh, so I was got straight on the phone to my sister, you know, what happened? You know, what was the atmosphere like? This, that and the other. My sister was at the game. She said it was fine. Didn't know what, what it could have been or anything. And, that, and that's fine. We've had the situation with Accrington two seasons ago, haven't we, where, where a journalist accused a Luton fan of racist um, abuse towards uh, an Accrington player, which straight away, you know, got uproar on social media and it was, you know, sorted out and, Everything's and I, and I kind of thought, oh, well, it's just the same thing, but actually, I don't think it is the same thing, is it? I think this one's slightly more serious, and this one, by the sound of it, this one may actually have happened. Now, we've got countless black players in our squad, four, I think, of which were playing on Saturday or sat on the bench not too far from the executive boxes. You have to be a pretty mind dead idiot to be a racist, anyway. But when the people that you support you know, you've got a lot of black players in your team. How dumb do you have to be to then get involved in that? It's just, like James said, we just don't want that whatsoever. No, we don't. It's, I'll just reiterate what James said, it's an absolute disgrace that it's still going on. Um, And I've seen people slate the taking of the knee. Um, I applaud Luton for standing arm in arm 
on the centre circle. Instead of taking the knee, I think it sends a better message and I think it stops the booing. When that was done before the game, I heard no boos. Everybody cheered, applauded it. Swansea took the knee. Fair enough. Their, their decision. Um, and it's a, that's a respect thing anyway. I think, you know, whether you take the knee or, or, or not, I, I don't think it's... I wouldn't say not important, but I don't think it's it's paramount to trying to phase it out. You, you, the players are there making a stand against it um, and the fans applauding it. To me, it shows support. So for somebody to come out and racially slur a footballer or anyone in general is an absolute disgrace. And I think we need to get tougher on it. We need to get tougher. It's all very well saying, let's kick it out. There's a guy at work today wearing a kick it out t-shirt and I thought fair play because um, you don't see many of them about. Um, but you need got to get tougher. I don't I don't think fines are going to work. I think you've got to get tough. I think you've got to chuck them in the slammer. I think you've got to give them a couple of years on the Majesty's service. You know, I think I, I think you've really got to make an example of them and do it properly. Do it properly. Um, you know, I mean, the Accrington incident, um, I didn't hear anything. I was there that night. Obviously, where I sit, there's, there's a lot of general... Where I sat back then, um, there was a lot of general chit-chat here, all sorts of language coming out, but I've never once heard a racist, racial slur up there in 10 years that I sat up there. Um, in fact, I've only ever heard it once, and that was from the opposition bench. Um, I won't name the person on here, but that, 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 that was a long time ago. It was very disappointing, but... Um, it, it, it poses the question as a society have we really moved on from it and just when you think you have you hear something like that and it's, it just sets it back again it, it, all the work that's going on behind the scenes it makes it really disappointing I mean we've had this uh, I say we I mean the game of football James two months ago when three young lads missed penalties for England and mm. you know uh, it, it's just a sad state of society that unfortunately the first thing I said to my sister who I was watching the game with is Bakayo Saka is going to go on to his social media and there's going to be all sorts of abuse for him and lo and behold the next day you know it all comes out that both he Marcus Rashford Marcus Rashford who's done more for this country than anyone drawing breath over the last 18 months so you have to be a proper goon and goonie to um criticise him or anything, you know, you have to be an absolute lunatic. But how do we stop it? You know, social media companies don't seem to want to take responsibility. I noticed that last week, was it Instagram and Twitter were called in front of the government? And, you know, uh, uh, one of the Labour um, MPs was like, giving, a, giving three or four examples of posts that were still on Instagram. And the woman from Instagram was there denying that they were still there. And the Labour MPs like, they're on my screen right now. I'm reading them to you from your platform. And she's like, oh, well, they must have slipped through our safety net. Well, I'm sorry, but your safety net's a load of bollocks if something's slipping through. Nothing should. Mm. I mean, I can, I can say something, you know, normal to a friend and, and an account gets stopped. But the racist keeps their account left, right. I mean, it's got to come from there, hasn't it? Because most of this... Uh, originates via the putrid social media accounts that are out there. Well, it does. I think that I think they're 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 both different aspects of racism. Having the fucking brass neck to say it to somebody's face in real life is abhorrent. 
it's abhorrent to do it online, but people feel um, emboldened the fact by the fact they're behind a keyboard. It shouldn't happen in either walks of life. Um, it's not a football problem. It's a society problem. Um, and we haven't got our own house in order. So it's all right throwing sticks and stones at um, other countries, like say Hungary have just- Hungary have just got- It's got an absolutely ridiculous 153 grand yeah. fine and, and a one game behind closed doors uh, a ban for, for their um, racist abuse of English players. It, and the game ban was only because they previously had a suspended ban. Yeah, it, it's, it, not, it sends, it's not a new punishment. It sends the wrong message, but we can't do anything about we can't do anything about Hungary. But we can do things in our country. Unfortunately, we've got a government full of racists, proven. So people see that and feel emboldened by it. We've got we've just gone through a, a Brexit. Um, which was emboldened by racism and xenophobia. And so people are emboldened by that. But, but why would you have it in your psyche, in your personality in the first place? It's like, um, it's like saying that you only did something because you were drunk. The likelihood is the booze just made that easier for you to do that thing. It's part of you. So don't blame the booze. It's just that was the mechanism that allowed it to come out. Most people would guard something otherwise. And it, that, that's with racism. So th there's those things in society that allowing, not allowing, that are, are, are telling these numbskulls, knuckle draggers, that, that it's okay because oh, our prime minister does it or we've, we've just got out of Europe, uh, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, in this country, as progressive as you think that we are, We've got a history and a legacy of colonialism that we've never dealt with, never, ever dealt with. And until we do, and that's got to come from the top and the way we teach our history and teach our kids about our history and learn about it, it, it I can't see it changing. Uh, and you can point the finger at football, but football is the reflection of society. And it, like I, do, I just, I just, I just despair of it all. Really, it's just I don't, I don't get it. Maybe it's the fact that I'm from Luton and we're so diverse in this town. It just, but I, I know from travelling around, following Luton to different places in the country that it's not like it is in this town, and people slag this town off, but. Man, I've been to places in this country. You wouldn't believe the way people talk about other people because of the colour of their skin. It's just, it's just depressing, and I've got no solutions for you. But I just, just if you're gonna do, it, if you, if it's in your brain, if you talk that way, just know you're wrong, and and you're the wrong side of history, and, and just get in the fucking sea. We should say that it is only an allegation at the moment. Uh, an investigation is ongoing. Um, police are involved and everything else. Um, so, you know, we'll let that um, investigation run its course. Maybe we'll finish up on this in the next podcast when maybe we've got an official resolution to that. But if if it's true, we don't want to see that person at Kenilworth Road or indeed football or, to be honest, in life um, again, do we? So, um, 
yeah, thanks for that discussion. And uh, we'll see how that plays out in the hands of Bedfordshire Police. Uh, Danny, I've, I mentioned in the first part of the podcast that when I prepared for this podcast and I sent out the agenda and everything else, Luton were 13th, we're now 12th. And we're 12th because Derby County have gone into administration. They've been docked 12 points there. They've gone from 10 points, which they matched us on, had a better goal difference, uh, to minus two. There's all sorts of talk that Reading are going to follow them. Maybe not into administration, but certainly to a points deduction. Uh, I'm going to get both of your views on something I don't like the sound of, an agreed deduction uh, in a minute. Uh, But what does it say about football in general, Danny, in your eyes, that a club like Derby County, now this is Derby County, and I know we're not old enough, but it was only sort of 40 years ago, 45 years ago, that they were winning English football, winning the uh, going deep in the cha- what is now the Champions League, European Cup, mm-hmm. under yeah. Brian Clough and things. I'm sure if you've seen the Damned United, you know all of the stories and things. Yeah. This is an institution of English football. With no disrespect to Barry Macclesfield uh, and a couple of the others that have gone down that road. This, this, this is a a genuine institution of English football. How can it be that a club like Derby, how, how, how can football be that a club like Derby County can go into administration? And what does it say about the game? It tells us that football is not being managed properly. I think it's as, I think that's probably as simple as I can put it. Um, I think that Mel Morris, I listened to him on Talk Sport a few years ago. I think it was before they bought Rain Rooney, and I think they were talking about bringing, I think they signed an agreement to bring him in when his contract in America had finished. So that, that, that was done in months in advance. Um, and I think that was when he'd sold the stadium to himself and he was promising that the concerts put on, the biggest concerts and like, all the big artists will come and play at Pride Park and and then all that money would be pumped back into the club, into the community and everything. He made a right song and dance about it. He was getting praise off Jim White, which is pretty easy as long as you lick his ass the right way. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, <laughs> um, and then a couple of years later, he, he's desperate to sell. He, 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 I read a statement. He said something the other day that he, he wanted to get the club into the Premier League and then try and sell for a profit. Um I'm sorry, but if you're buying a football club, you know full well you ain't getting your money back. And if he if he has pumped in 200 million, like he says he has, then more bloody fool him. And I wish I had that kind of money to throw at a football club. But it, it sends out the wrong message completely. I mean, it, I, I'm not saying all owners that come in from overseas or from, from here with money are, are bad. A lot of them have proven to be. There's a big problem at Birmingham City. There's been a problem at Coventry for years. They seem to be sorting that out. But it's how they're allowed. And this is this goes back to 2008 when a certain little Bedfordshire club were, um, were kicked in the teeth. And then again, um, when 2020 took over and the FA says, right, we'll make an example out of you and we'll do a fit and proper person's test for anybody who wants to take over a football club. Now, 2020 have passed that with flying colours and still ended up with a points deduction. Go figure. Um but it, it's happened time and time again. The guy at Berry, the absolute psychopath at Berry, the situation with Macclesfield, all the little clubs that have gone out of existence because of it. Um, but the, these owners are being allowed through, and that just tells me that the EFL and the FA are still not fit for purpose. And they need to toughen up a bit more and stop accepting these backhanders, which they are taking, whether, whether they, they'll admit it or not, they won't. 
but they are they are taking it. I'm going to go full throttle with that. There is corrupt. They're rotten to the core in terms of corruption, I think, and that's how some of these owners are coming through. I mean, they're not all bad. You look at Leicester City's; they're the best owners in the in the country for me. For everything they do for the community, they pump millions into the city, into the community, get everybody involved. Um, they put a pie and a pie and twenty quid for a match ticket. That's it's going to get anybody to go to a game. Um, and they do all the right things. Luton, Luton's owners are doing as much as they can to get people in. The rise up the leagues has, has aided that. Um, Derby, for me, have made no attempt in the last few years to get to the Premier League because every time they've got near, they've gone, oh no, we can't have this manager, sacked him, and they've ended up in mid-table. And that, that repeated with Steve McLaren, Paul Clement and a couple of others they've had. Um, so I, I think it, it's down to the FA or whoever's conducting these fit and proper persons tests, as they like to call it, which is basically better known as who's got the most money to throw at it. Um, that needs sorting out. James, Danny said that's something there that um, struck with me, that he, he would love to have the money um, to run a football club. It's part of the problem that these people haven't got the money because all too often they borrow money from the bank in their own name or their own company name and put that to the football club don't they uh, it's something that Manchester United are absolutely pissed off with that the Glazers have done um, in Manchester and all too often the person gets out scot-free and the football club is left in the in the mire and that appears to be the case with Derby County they've gone chasing the dream the dream hasn't happened the man has got no financial implications to him but the club's gone into administration and it can't possibly be right. I mean, for, we, we, the, the, the Wayne Rooney deal is probably relevant, but the fact that it was done with 32 red and all of that, it's not going to come into the into the equation uh, perhaps as much as it should do. But it's got to be wrong that a person can take out a loan or, you know, in, in essence, a debt and attach it to a football club and have no comeback on that. Yeah, it just should happen. This this leverage buyout scenario, isn't it? The, That's yeah, the word I was like, looking for. Leverage. Man, Man United are the you know biggest purveyors of it, but Liverpool did it in their previous owners with yeah. Hicks and Gillette. Um, you know, borrowing on the on the club, and it, it shouldn't be allowed. Um, you know, if, it's because we treat these things as businesses, and they're not. The way Luton have run, gone about it is is how it should be. It, it's a community asset. It's important to the community. You go and ask anyone in Berry. Uh, you know, I know it's not got talked about uh, on the national stage, but what are they doing now? What are the fans of their, their club doing now that they haven't got uh, a club to go to? And he's the to get it back, aren't they? They are trying to get it back. Yeah. He's the wor- He's kind of the, the worst sort of example because he he was an asset stripper. He went in there. You must have known what he was going to do. Um, it, you know, it's. Man United are able to service that debt. They don't make it right, but they're able to service that debt and they can buy Cristiano Ronaldo and whatnot because they are arguably the world's biggest club. But it just shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. I think ultimately, if you're going to own a football club, I think there should be some personal liability for the owners. I think that they shouldn't be allowed to put debt on the club. There should be some on there. And then they wouldn't go trying to run these clubs 
uh, at a loss. You just can't do that. The whole of the championship almost is running this way. And it's going to happen a lot, I think. Um, we're going to see this a lot. It's not the iceberg's just about to break, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. fair on Derby fans, but you you welcome these people in and didn't didn't do anything about it. So these are the these are the consequences. But there's something that um, Stan Collymore said last night on on Twitter. Uh, I happen to think he's an absolutely wonderful pundit, and obviously people always uh, accuse him of the problems he had earlier in his life. You've got to allow people to change and say sorry, and he has. That's a different, completely different debate. But he said something which I, I, I really agree with. So I, I need to credit him because him and not me. He says there's it, there's a very simple sort of three step way that you can you can prevent uh, this, and that is he says on a sliding scale that uh, you know depending on the division and the club and the income and the assets that you've got, um, so it won't be the same for everyone. Like, and Man, Man United it would be more for them than it would be for Sutton United. But that a bond should be held by the FA uh, put up by the owners and the bond is kept by the FA if the finances are not administered properly. That's point one. Point two is a full declaration of business interest globally. And point three is bankruptcy slash financial impropriety in any country in the world, instantly discounts you as an owner, as a potential owner. Simple. Because the fit and proper person's test is it isn't that. It's not, it isn't fit for its own purpose. So if you there's there's always going to be people coming in and seeing a cash cow in this wonderful game that if you do get into the Premier League, you've got all this money coming. But ultimately, you've got to run these clubs. Uh, prudently you can't it, it makes no so we've talked about on this podcast you, you cannot be spending more on wages than you are taking in that's that shouldn't be allowed and the whole of the championship is doing it and Luton are fighting a seemingly ever losing battle in that sense because they do it right they they only spend what they can afford uh, and they they don't go buying these massive uh uh, players on massive wages and massive fees because they can't do that so they have to try other ways to compete and at the minute they're doing that and it's another reason why if you go back to ep- uh, episode one when we talked about how well Luton are doing under the circumstances of injuries and illness at the moment they're also fighting against the tide of all this money that is sloshing around the championship which actually isn't there um, and it, it's not right it, it's not right at all. So, but until until football um, comes in and, and and says and has a change of heart and it's a bit more twenty twenty about this, the the situation, which it won't be because everybody's out for their own interests. Everybody has their own vote, uh, and when we're nowhere near the German model, which is probably has its faults, but would be a dream scenario if we could mm. switch to that, where it's you know. 51% owned by the fans each club and they have they have the majority say you know until we get to that scenario then you're going to have a derby uh, going into administration and probably you know based on the fact that they've got a transfer embargo and they only stayed up by the skin of their teeth on the last day last season they're probably going to go down um, 
you know, Reading hit by nine, nine points. That's a big, big gap to make up in the championship. So they're going to be floating around the bottom somewhere. Um, you know, and it's, it might have to take this uh, to, to the ultimate punishment of, of getting put in a division you don't think you, des- you want to be in, um, League One, League Two. Uh, it, you know, it shows, it shows with Luton. They've had to build back the right way. But they were always going to do that anyway once 2020 came in because they were fans. But Luton had the worst of it. And maybe it takes for these clubs to hit rock bottom for them to realise that they can't carry on the way they are. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a rough situation for the fans. But, um, you know, you've got to stick up for for what's right in in and your in your club and uh, you know if you're busy with your head in the clouds chasing the same dream that the chairman is then you've probably got to accept the consequences yeah you can't complain when the nightmare arises that's right i think the media have got a little bit of a role to play in this as well because um a couple of weeks ago on talk sport it might even have been last week perry groves was on there telling norwich that they have to go out and spend millions and millions and millions of pounds and completely change the, the way they do things just to stay in the Premier League. Well, no, Perry, no. That's no. not what they need to do at all. What they need to do is they need to do what they are doing and if they get relegated, well, they live to fight another day in the Championship next season rather than break the bank and not live to fight any more days. So idiots like that serve absolutely no purpose to the game whatsoever either. And I think if you're going to work in the media... Uh, on these places. And I know TalkSport are there to drive debate and it might not be completely 100% what he thinks, but if you're going to come out with that nonsense, you really need to think about what you're coming out with. And before we stop with this particular section, I want to get you both your views on this Reading incident because it was it was actually going to be Derby and it could still be Derby, couldn't it? Because they might have a second punishment other than their administration one. This term, agreed punishment. James, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I posted on Twitter and I don't normally post on Twitter because everyone knows on Twitter that uh, I am the media rep of the Sports Trust and I try not to post anything controversial. That is bollocks, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> how can the league, the league, the, the league, the runners, the rulers of the ship, the, the captains of the ship, how can they agree with one of its tenants, members, what to call them what you want to call them, agree the punishment? I mean, if you're ruling this league, Surely you tell them the punishment and they like it or they lump it. What's this agreed punishment bollocks all about? I'm not having that at all. Well, it's a shambles, isn't it? But, you know, the game's not run right from the top anyway. Um, You know, whether it's the Football League, whether it's the FA, whether it's UEFA, none of them are doing it right in, in that respect. And it just... You know, I, I I laugh there, but I, it's really a laugh of despair, really. Because yeah, exactly, yeah. after everything that we've gone through the last 12 years, uh, for that to be, it's just one rule for, for Luton and another rule for everyone else, isn't it, really? And I, I don't I don't know the, uh, the the implications of it. I've not you know, I've not looked at it. I've not gone through the weeds of it. So I'd be happy for anybody to tell me I'm wrong. But, you know, if if this is the new scenario, if the, and, and this is not written down as a policy, but it's just suddenly something they've pulled out of their arse and, 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 and are 
you know, di dishing out kindly to other clubs, then is there is there any way that Luton can can retroactively uh, go after the, the the governing body? It, probably not. I think it's probably a long shot, but it's worth having a look at, isn't it? Because you know, I think the, the problem that we have though is we was told that you know there was no right to appeal, and if we did so, then it you know the, the punishments would be even worse, weren't they? And you know that's why we had to take our medicine and and do this. But but nobody has had the same amount of medicine. No, they haven't. And that's the thing. No. That's the galling thing. Um. I mean, this the skeptic in me would suggest that this agreed punishment thing is to make sure that there is a punishment. As in, they've tried to get Derby for a long time, haven't they? The Football League. And, you know, last season, there was talks about it towards the end of the season. Would Wickham stay up because Derby get a points deduction? It's been going on for a long time, this. So I suspect that they were doing this agreed thing so that there is a punishment actually in place rather than three or four years of dragging it through the courts and the wrong decision coming out with. So I, I can kind of, to a point, understand where the league are coming from. But you just have to get tough, don't you? At some but, point... But the fact that it's gone on for this long, it should have been sorted out last season. That's when it happened. Yeah. You know, why is it taking that long? It was the yeah. same with Sheffield Wednesday. They got a season's reprieve for the selling their ground back to their owner. And then, yeah. of course, they got the point deduction last year, which they couldn't escape from. And, and I've got to be honest, I hope Derby don't escape from this one either because they've been pulling the wall over people's eyes for a long time. And if they happen to go down, then that's exactly how it should be. And Wickham have been shafted royally. Let's hope one club in this season doesn't get shafted as a result of it. I just can't be having this agreed. Listen, if you, want, if, you if you break the rules in anything... Properly. If you break the rules in anything, then you need to face the consequences. They're written down and, and the consequences of them should be there. It shouldn't be, oh, we'll see how it goes in six months or, oh, we'll negotiate what it is. The punishment is the punishment and it should be written down and that's what you get. Uh, and I'm not having any of it either, Kev, but, you know, the fact that uh, Luton had to suffer what they suffered uh, to see other clubs sort of at, even at a negotiating table, which Luton didn't get, obviously, is... It's bollocks. Like you said, yeah. you can sum it up with that word, kind of it's bollocks. It really, it, really, it really is, though, Danny, isn't it? I mean, how are you on this agreed punishment? Bollocks, for the want of a better word. Well, yeah, I mean, much the same. I mean, what's the definition of it? Because um, in the past, I mean, like, obviously, when we had the 30 points took off of us, um, that was it. That that to me said that okay, if, if any anything else similar to this happens again, you're going to get punished with twenty points for administration and ten points for whatever else other rules you break. I mean, in our case, it was paying agents by via a third party company, wasn't it? I think. Um, but since then, it, it's like they've had a dartboard up and they're just chucking the dart and whatever it lands on, that's your punishment. So it could be a <laughs> it could be a big fine and. a no, no points deduction. Or it could be a caravan. It could be, yeah. <laughs> or a speedboat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Reference for the kids there, isn't it? Bullseye. Anybody under 35 listening, to them, what the fucking hell are they talking about? <laughs> it's all right. They often think that when James talks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's right, though. It, it, they may, that may as well be the punishment. You may as well get a speedboat for bending the rules as much as you can. You know, it, it, it makes a complete mockery of the whole system. Um, I, it, it, 
I don't understand it. Oh, we're going to punish you, but you can decide what punishment you're having. Oh, well, that's like saying to a plumber when he says, oh, it'd be five grand to do your pipes as an estimate. And you can say, well, I "Well, I estimate, oh, you fuck all. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, like, the, Derby can, the FA can say to Derby, oh, you've broken rules, you've done this. And they'll go, no, we haven't. And they'll go, oh, okay, well, we can't get you then. And that, that seems to be what, what it is. Um. But I, I can't, I can't fathom what they're getting at with an agreed punishment. It is bollocks, right? Like it I say, it's nonsense. And it's even funnier. It's a shame Tony's not here because I'm sure he'll have something to say about Wickham wanting to appeal their relegation. Um, that made me laugh as they got handed their ass to by Man City's under seven girls team last night. Um, <laughs> Just to play the Tony part for him. <laughs> well, you are his replacement, so that is, yeah. that is fair. Hi, enough. Tony. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, ultimately, Reading and Derby are well. Derby have been punished. They are going to get punished again. Yeah, Reading are going to get punished, and who knows who else is going to get punished? I mean, you well, know, six months time, we might not win another game of football yet. We might be champions of this sort of division. Who knows what 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 happens with this with this league? It's, it's stupid. It's ridiculous. There's so much going on that goes on behind closed doors and when it finally comes to light the fans are like bloody hell that was happening right in front of us and we didn't even know and, and that comes back to transparency between football clubs and their supporters and it goes back to football clubs being run by support we're, we're very lucky you know every time you read that so-and-so's gone into administration or they can't pay the players this month and haven't done it for three months or whatever you just thank thank God that we've got twenty twenty for us, fighting our corner and, and running the club properly as as it should be. Because there's so much going on. I mean, I read Birmingham had to close two of their stands because they didn't finish the safety checks in time. I mean, fuck me, you've had an empty stadium for an eighteen months. What what were you doing all that time? <laughs> Counting the receipts mm. you haven't got. I mean, don't talk bollocks to me. Do you know what I mean? It's just utter ridiculous. Um, and it, I'm looking at the championship table now. I could pick a story off nearly every club. You got Blackpool owners, the Oysters, and that's yeah. that's the trouble. Every single club in this division has had something go wrong. Where I remember QPR weren't sure whether they were going to get a big fine before they got promoted to the Premier League. I seem to remember there was something going on there. I think Neil Warnock had something to do with that, probably. Surely but not. It's well, exactly. Do you know my favourite? I've just get this in my favourite stat about him is the anagram of him is of his name is Colin Wanker there we go <laughs> um, but no it, it, it just stinks and football needs an overhaul I've said it I've said it before the FA and the, the AFL just aren't, aren't fit for purpose and they need sorting out pretty quick because we'll lose football as it is um, we're going to have to go back to basics sooner or later if something isn't done now yeah yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. And um, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, we should mention um, that there is the fan led review going on, isn't there? So, um, you know, we're, we're just waiting for the final report of that. And then I think me, James, Tony and a couple of other members of the trust will, will do a special podcast on that because we have been heavily involved uh, in giving our presentations to that. And that is a podcast all on its own. Once Tracy Crouch um, announces the full report, we'll do something around that. Uh, Chaps, that's all the controversial stuff dealt with, unless, of course, you think we're going to lose the next three games. So um, let's deal with those um, up to the international break. We'll do our next podcast during the international break, whereby 
uh, we'll have Tony back and we might cover more of what we've just spoken about with regards to the points deductions and things like that. Um, James, Saturday, Bournemouth away, unbeaten Bournemouth, um, but they weren't unbeaten against us last season where they, we took four points off them, didn't concede a goal against them. Um, more of the same or do you think this will be a trickier test? I guess with us, with our injuries, probably a trickier test. Well, it'll be it'll be tricky in the sense that they are in good form and top of the league. I happen to think that Luton play better against sides that want to play football, and I think that's what Bournemouth are going to do. Um, <laughs> they've been you know four games straight with with draws so far. I could see that going to five at, at Bournemouth, um, but I think the thing with all the teams in this league actually is that it's no longer there's no longer any fear about going there um not necessarily Bournemouth because obviously you said the results good last uh, last season against them but there's no teams there in this division uh even though the top three I expect will be the top three that go up uh, go up that that you that you fear and that's a great place to be in I think but uh you know, they've drawn three. I'd take a draw there, I think. Yeah, I think I'd take a draw there. It's funny, actually, because someone said, um, it's, it's, it's somewhat, some, someone said to me after Saturday, uh, this team are so inconsistent. Now, I understand exactly what they're getting at, but actually, we've drawn our last four games. You can't really get much more consistent than that. <laughs> so uh, it's, it, it's, it's a crazy thing, isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, if it, if it is a fifth draw, then happy days. The interesting thing would be um, whether the sequence keeps going. And if so, it would be a 4-4 four, four draw, wouldn't it? Which would be um, particularly impressive because we've had 0-0, 1-1, 2-2 and 3-3 in those games. So <laughs> that, would, that would be good. How did you see that one going on Saturday, Danny? Tricky game? Yeah, very tricky. Uh, obviously, they've they've started very well. They've, they missed out on promotion last year and they're looking to do the job properly. Um, I like Scott Parker. I think he's a good manager. Uh, I think they've assembled a, a, a squad that should get them back up and I think it'll be a tough test but these are the tests that we need to be doing if we want to progress as we have been um, I've, I'm, I'm taught I'd, I'd settle for a draw definitely I think I'd always settle for a draw away from home um, I, think, I think it's possible why not and I've just noticed that Jack Stacey's generally been on their bench, James, so we might have to wait a little longer to uh, come up against him once again. There was actually rumours that we were looking at him on loan in Jan- in, uh, in the summer, wasn't there? But not to be, but uh, we we might encounter him on Saturday. Uh, well, I hope not, because he's bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we don't actually have a left-sided player. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I hope not. Following that game then, we're at home to Coventry, who, I mean, at the start of the season, you'd have looked at Coventry home and you'd have thought, happy days, that's a that's a good three points. But they've started the season incredibly well, haven't they, to be fair to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're sitting, well, they're riding high, aren't they? Is it fourth in fourth, the table? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you have to take uh, respect of that. Is that. Has that changed to what you think about that game, James? No, not necessarily because Luton haven't they haven't got the points that they've deserved from the last uh, you know, last month or since we did the last episode anyway. If you're looking at the performances, um, I'm, I'm really I'm really you know, comfortable with the way that Luton are playing and Luton trying to play. Um, 
and it might be just that you know the injuries and illness and some bad refereeing decisions a bit of bad luck is as it means they're sort of six points off Coventry at the moment but I think that that will even itself over the over the course of the season and I um I'd fan, I'd fancy a win against them to be honest actually rare Wednesday yeah. night home game isn't it it's uh be interesting how that goes usually all of Luton's home games are on a Tuesday night and this uh, this one's on a Wednesday so uh That'd be interesting. Uh, how do you see that one, Danny? Uh, sort of local game from where you were, uh, where you were. And you must have a little bit of inside info for us. I lived in Coventry for fifteen years. Uh, I know a lot of their supporters. My mum's side are all Coventry fans. Uh, I would love nothing more than to do them, <laughs> and I don't care what the score is. A last-minute winner would absolutely just make my week, and I can. I can rub it in even look more on them because I, they still hold on to the 3-0 win they had four years ago at Kenilworth Road. Um, they have, they've completely ignored the last five encounters. We've won a couple of those. Uh, they have started very well, actually, joking aside. that they have, um, they've, they've signed a couple of players they had on loan last year, that Georg Kerr is whatever his bloody name is. Um, he's, he seems to be knocking the goals in for him. Um, they've got a couple of players back that were injured last year and they seem to have started well but as my mate one of my best mates actually big cough fan he, he said the other night when they won he says we're getting all the points in now because by the time they've had the Christmas turkey that'll be it it'll take them six months to go over it so <laughs> and then possibly in a relegation scrap and that's been Coventry's theme for years with all, all respect to them but I I think you know we've we've played well. We haven't quite got the results. Um, I, th- I I th- I think we're going to beat them. I'm going two nil, two one, something like that. It's uh, interesting. I'm I'm just looking at the table. They've actually scored less goals this season than Peterborough, who were well, they're fourth from bottom now, aren't they? After Derby, but we're third from bottom. Yeah, yeah they're fourth in the table, so there must be. Well, they've done it. Not- they've done it without being spectacular. It's a little yeah. bit like sort of how we were last year. You know, we you know what we were saying about missing somebody popping up with the goals. That's that was a big thing we were missing last year. And I think you know, if, uh, it's strange because they've got people like Tyler Walker and uh, Matt Godden, who they absolutely adore. Walker hasn't quite done it for them. Um, they've got players in there that, that can get the goals. Whether they'll get enough this year, I don't know. Um, from what I saw of them last year, they were quite ordinary, really. I, I still think they were good enough to stay up and they deserved to stay up like they did. I think they are a good enough championship side. I just think they're, they're kind of a, a year behind us, if you like. You know, when we came up, they weren't quite settled. You know, we hadn't quite gelled in properly. Do, do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a... I think they're a little bit behind us in terms of progressing and settling back into the championship. Um but yeah, I still think we'll do. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be good. And then the third game. I mean, there's there's three games here against teams that are above us in the table, actually. And when you think that there's only eleven of them, that's a bit of an unfortunate run, isn't it? A third game, James. We mentioned right at the start of the season, <coughs> in the season preview podcast, that we were going to welcome a lot of um, familiar friends back this season, and we we welcome one back, uh, Huddersfield. Um, at home, obviously, Matty Pearson will return to Kenilworth Road for the first time since he left. Sure, he'll get a fantastic reception, um, but hopefully, he won't get any points. Yeah, and hopefully, he has one of those torrid afternoons. Really, I, I would have fancied a bit more if uh, the the pacey 
forwards were were available and you know some of them might be um but uh yeah it's, it's, i mean but famous last words but i think matty pearson's going to make the difference either way um i mean they're only three points above luton um you know and as we've we've talked about i don't think luton necessarily got the points that they deserve but um They've been, been fairly evenly contested games, haven't they, the last couple of seasons against them? Um, but again, I, I just I fancy a win. Um, I think, you know, the the last game, the way the way it panned out, and you know, you get it's a point, obviously, but it feels like a defeat. And I just I just think that Luton bounced back against uh, after adversity. So I think a nice little three game run here, so two two wins and a draw. To get into the international break, and then that gets you over the the the, the ten game marker where you sort of assess where you might finish. And I think because you know it's eight games in the minute at the minute it's twelfth, so it's looking comfortable. I know they want to progress, which means they have to go a couple of positions higher, but it's looking odds on to do that. I I, I still don't necessarily think it's going to be a, a playoff chasing season. But you want to be in that pack just behind it for the progression, um, and also the fact that it's, it's, it's a transition season. This isn't it. They're not only are you having to embed loads of players, um, new players, but trying to be more expansive as well. Um, you're going to have games where you get gubbed, <laughs> games where it, it goes amazingly, and then games where it's both in one, like it was against uh, like it was against Swansea. Um, but, you know, it's going to be that exciting sort of roller coaster stuff, isn't it? But um, I've, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic about the next three games. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, Danny Huddersfield lost Forest on Saturday, which takes some doing. So um, yeah, clearly they're not. You know, they're seventh in the league, but they're obviously not the seventh best team in the league, are they? So uh, no. no reason why we can't do them. No, I, I, I think you're right. I've never really fancied Huddersfield as anything special, really, um, since they've been back down. So I, I can't see anything more than a home win, to be honest with you. Um, again, not being disrespectful to Huddersfield. I don't know much about them, but uh, I, I can't see anything more than a home win. It, it should be nailed on. Um, dare I say, like Swansea was supposed to be. But like I say, I mean... As things stand, they're above us in the table. They've earned the right to be there, obviously. And I think, you know, if we want to progress, we have to earn the right. And we've got to beat teams like that. They, I think they'll be a stuck in the mud, in the middle sort of side. Um, so they're the teams that we usually come stuck against. You know, we, we tend to tend to throw silly points away against mid-table sides, whereas like the lower end of the table we tend to throw points away and we tend to up us up our game for the bigger side so I think this one should be a win it should be a win it should be one of the by a couple of goals I think should be yeah I, I, I think going back to the Matty Pearson thing as well I mean he'll, he'll get a reception off me I'll, definitely um he's a good player for us you know he's part of the journey getting from league two well no I think he joined his league one didn't he league one yeah League One, that's it, yeah. You know, and he was he was a big part of that promotion season. He was a big part in staying up. 
and staying steady. Decided he wanted to move back to Yorkshire. No problem with that at all. You know, he hasn't left in a nasty way. He hasn't said, this club's going backwards. I want to go to somewhere progressive like Stoke. Uh, <laughs> and then came back with Sheffield United below us. Well done. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's, he's gone about his business quietly and nicely. And yeah, great player for us. It'd be nice to see him. Hopefully he walks off disappointed and with nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think everyone echoes uh, those sentiments. So get get past Saturday and then hopefully a couple of nice juicy home wins to send us into that next international break, which will be when we do our next podcast. Chaps, thanks for uh, your company this evening. Thanks again to Simon for his uh, involvement in part one. We appreciate that. We weren't going to get him into trouble with the stuff that we discussed in this part. We hope you enjoyed both parts. As I said uh, earlier, like, subscribe, rate, do all of that to make sure that you know when the next podcast is out. There will be a player one out during the international break. We're not sure who it is yet because well, we don't know who's fit and who's not fit, but we'll get someone uh, on and we'll get their views ahead of what are a couple of interesting away games at Millwall and Derby to come out of the international break with. Um, chaps, enjoy the football over the next week. And, um, well, I'll catch up with you uh, next time thanks everyone for listening thanks James for joining me thanks again for coming along and replacing Tony Danny uh, great to have you along and Tom and we'll catch up with you all soon thanks for listening